the shootout in the West Division, and we have news from a long-thought-dead league. We'll be sure to give you all the news this week on the Indie Ball Report Podcast. We're back again, episode number 128 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will. We're going to talk about Pioneer League. We're going to talk about the Western Association of Professional Baseball. I know, we thought this league was long dead. Apparently, they're not dead. But, uh, to be honest, I have very low expectations for them. And then we got a lot of talk in the Frontier League and some of the other two leagues as well. So, how about that? Yeah, I can't. I can't believe the Western Association is still a thing. Like I honestly thought, like, and obviously the pandemic had a, had a lot to do with that originally. But I kind of just assumed once they like listen, if you were to look on the the Western Association website, you have the league articles. There are five new art. There are five articles on the entire website. Number one, welcome to our new website. Number two. On July 18th, 2019, a new league is born. Number three, September 26, 2019, the Western Association welcomes uh, Henderson, Henderson, Nevada. Yeah. Article four, a letter to our followers, July 16th, 2020. Uh, that is the pandemic kind of screwed us up. We're trying. And then article five, which is, I guess, what we'll, we heard just heard from news or just heard from this week about them partnering with like, it looks like an app developer uh, to, to help. But I mean, you still have one team. So that's cool. But there hasn't, the news has not exactly been the most consistent from them, but I guess we know they're alive. So there's something to be said to that. Yeah, I guess. And I guess with that, that's a good place to just kind of jump in with them. They struck a deal or an agreement with now on it's an app building firm, I believe out of Omaha. <clears throat> the app will provide uh, team pages that have schedules, score alerts, live stats, um, also profiles of players and coaches. There's a bunch of other things involved in this app. It's almost like a ball, a ballpark live access app. There's companion elements to it where it's your digital ticket in it's, you can order food from it. You can buy merchandise from it. Uh, there's a whole slew of other live components there. I think they said they'll stream audio through it as well. The app's supposedly going to be free. And the league itself plans to launch next year in 2022. Now, to be fair, they were founded in 2018. Then they were supposed to launch in 2019. That didn't happen. Then they were supposed to launch in 2020. Didn't happen. Although, I don't really cast any stones at them for that. It would have been very foolish to launch in a pandemic. So, fair enough there. Then they were supposed to launch in 2021. That obviously didn't happen. So, now you're telling me 2022. If I'm being honest, it just is sounding a lot like the boy who cried wolf. You're promising me this great app. You're promising you're going to launch next year. And you have one team. Even though you kind of tease two other teams. And you know what this league reminds me of, Will? What league does it remind you of, Nick? Why, this other fine football league that promised a really solid app and <laughs> good football. And for whatever reason, it didn't last past April Fool's Day, much to my chagrin, because I actually did like that league. But 
You remember that league? I do. Hell, I remember doing a whole, uh, I guess, moratorium on said league on this very podcast. I I remember that episode, yeah. Yeah, I was very unhappy that the league died. I can remember that. Probably went a little too hard on the paint on that, too. But that league, of course, would be the American Alliance of, or the Alliance of American Football. My mistake, I mixed them up. It reminds me a lot of that, where we're getting like big promises of this great league, and it's going to be very, like, forward-minded but we're gonna keep the game the same like it's i have a lot of doubt about this league getting off the ground also where's your talent i want to know where their talent base is going to come from yeah i mean that's that's the other thing you also have to take into consideration because as we've seen at least this year specifically on the pitching end of things as you know the pioneer league is added um, and the Frontier League has added more teams, and pitching's been tough to go around. And I think that just throwing another independent league in the fold, it it's going to be tough, at least from the surface, and it doesn't really seem... Because at least with, with the Alliance of American Football, the, uh, the example you brought up, Nick, yeah. at least they played football. At yeah. least they had teams and played football. We still have one team in this Western association. Now, as far as what they actually announced with the app, that sounds very good. Actually, oh, yeah. the, the company from now on, they actually are the company that, uh, the or I should say the developers of the Somerset, uh, the Somerset Patriots app, uh, which, was, which was a really big deal when they were back in the, uh, back in the Atlantic League. They have like a reward system for people coming and stuff like that. A lot of other teams followed something similar. So they know what they're doing, and I, I definitely like the idea of an app uh, as opposed to a website to follow teams and scores and whatever. Uh, that seems like seems like a good idea. However, there's a lot more press, pressing issues at hand here, and those are the the questions that we need to answer. Yeah, that's where our kind of lie here too. Like obviously, what they're describing the app is very thorough. It seems like a, a very solid idea. But the points you raise well, are great because, A, the talent pool is already very thin. And I've had people like come to me and go, this thing, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. And other people going, well, this is a good step because with the Pacific Association pretty much dead, which I'm not sure if I quite call them dead, although certainly not playing baseball for two years is not a good sign at all. Uh, but... <clears throat> With the Pacific Association markets probably looking to jump, you could get those in there and you could kind of become a Pacific version of the Pioneer League. And I'd go, that's great. Major issue, of course, being there's already the Pioneer League, as well as many other leagues. So I don't really know where you're planning on getting this base from. Plus, I'm not really sure what exactly their whole financial structure is going to look like which obviously you know the business end of it's not as entertaining but it's much more important than anything else and if you're going for that pioneer league level player well that's fine but you have to understand that you're probably not going to be playing in as nice of ballparks as the pioneer league uh, i mean if we're just going off of like the henderson one i believe it was on a college campus it didn't see too many if you're going to be picking up uh former pacific association markets a lot of them played in really kind of city park like setups 
So you're again not going to be drawing in a lot of people, and you're not going to be able to charge a lot, which means you're not going to be able to pay players a whole lot. So I'm not even sure you're going to get Pioneer League level talent, especially because those Pioneer League teams have the advantage of kind of being an established brand, being in those markets for quite some time, having connections to be built off of. And I'm sure a lot of the guys who played rookie ball through there, you could bring them back in and you could market around them. There's a whole advantage that they have that this league's not going to have. And like you said, well, there's one team. There needs to be a lot more teams. Like, even if your plan is to only have six, which I think is fairly realistic, and you're going to take, what, the three teams that kind of remain in the uh, Pacific Association, if you want to ignore that weird California Doge team, whatever the hell that is about. Great, now you're up to four. You still need to find two other teams in that general Pacific region. And I don't really know where they're going to find them. And I just have a really hard time buying that, you want to look in like Nevada and Arizona for outdoor baseball in the summer in the heat. That just yeah. screams like a bad idea that's not going to last very long. And and not only that, I mean, the idea is to start this league in 2022. There's not going to be a market that's going to be building a ballpark. Oh, yeah, just no. quite simply because of time. Yeah. So you then have to find you have to find a market one and that already has a suitable stadium, which is not easy to find a suitable outdoor stadium in Nevada, Arizona, in that desert region. So I, I don't know. It, I kind of take that more of the attitude. I'll believe it when I see it. But there's certainly a lot of questions that need to be answered there. Yeah, absolutely. Like I want to see it happen, but I'm not putting much faith in it until it really starts to get concrete. But uh, with that, we'll go to the league that I guess the Western Association's trying to imitate, which is the Pioneer League, as they announced expansion. I believe it was alluded to a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, they approved expansion on Monday to Flathead County, Montana. The ballpark's going to be built off of Highway 93, near or in Kalispell. So uh, I guess that's one of the more uh, metropolitan uh, areas of Montana, of course, using uh, that term rather lightly. Uh, the plan is for the Flathead County team to join in 2022 alongside Northern Colorado, who's having their brand new ballpark uh, constructed right now. This ballpark in Montana, though, still does need to be built. But when it is built, uh, the stadium's going to see 2.5 thousand uh, people. So... Yeah, good for them. They're building a ballpark. It's gonna be off a of highway. <clears throat> it's gonna be off a of highway ninety three. This whole segment has gone off the rails. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so new Pioneer League team in Montana. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Uh, I, I think it sounds like a good idea. It's right in that geographical area that the Pioneer League has really established itself. And not to mention, there are a couple of a bunch of pluses here. Like, of course, you get nervous when you hear Montana. However, off the highway, definitely a plus. It's easy to get to. Of course, hasn't been built yet, but uh, but it looks nice. Twenty five hundred. That's a very reasonable seating capacity, as well as like a berm and kind of a walk around stadium that we've re- that we've talked about at length on this show as kind of the new age of minor league slash independent ballparks. It, so it, it seems it, it seems like a good idea. Uh, the location seems solid, at least as 
uh, going with uh, the assumption that it's a, a pretty populated area of Montana. I honestly do not know a whole lot about Montana, but uh, but it seems like it seems like a pretty good idea. Uh, excited to see what the stadium looks like to, once it's complete, and certainly hope they do well. Yeah, about uh, 104,000 people in the county and about um, 23,000 or so in Kalispell proper. So there's definitely people around there. It's just, and I, I think you probably could get a 1,000 plus out at night. It's still just kind of weird to be plopping a ballpark down in Montana. Uh, just not really a major population base when you think about that whole region. But, I mean, hey certainly could work plus it gives billings and missoula another team so now they have three teams in montana that is interesting i mean if you were to if you were to average like a little over a thousand a night that, that works you could run with that yeah i suppose actually what i want to do real quick is just take a small detour and look at what the pioneer league's been doing attendance wise this year i understand pandemic and everything but i i do want to know if we have uh have attendance numbers because i'd be interested to see that do you know they're actually not drawing back like on average they're drawing about 2.2 thousand wow so they're doing pretty, pretty good yeah. yeah ogden's drawing over three thousand that's like, very good honestly the worst one is great falls and they're still drawing 1300 a game so wow that sounds like they're doing pretty well then. Yeah. compare that to the frontier league where out the worst team in the Pioneer League would be second from the bottom in the Frontier League, ahead of New Jersey, but behind Gateway. Meanwhile, Ogden would be actually Ogden would be first in the Frontier League for attendance. Wow! Yeah, that's so something. Not a lot to do out there. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they really like baseball. That that'd be, be that's that. a great thing. Actually. I'm looking here again. Ogden's only like 60 people on average off from being first in the American Association, too. Wow. Well, I got the Atlantic League tab, so now I got to look. Actually, Ogden's would be second in the Atlantic League, too, behind Long Island. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. Like, so they, if you count only like the, the partner leagues, Ogden has the second best attendance. Yeah, it's impressive. It is impressive. Yeah, good for the Pioneer League. Get a new team. We'll be at 10 next year, so good on them. Good on on that note, we'll go to actual baseball talk now. Uh, Frontier League. A lot happening this week. We spent basically all last week saying the miners are dead in the water if they don't come up and do something worth value this week. And we were saying that's probably highly unlikely because they play Florence this week. And then they you know, did something of value and swept the Florence Yells. Yeah, yeah their season's alive. The Florence Yells. Yeah, somehow they managed to keep their season alive, which I think that's a fair statement to make at this point in the year. Especially when you have to win your division uh, on a three, of course, on a three-game winning streak now. Uh, and I remember, early, at least early in the week, I believe was when the Max Herman ejection happened. Uh, for, yeah, for, Saturday for, or Sunday for Spider yeah. Tech. Yeah, yeah, with the foreign substances, and I'm just thinking, like, uh oh, wonder if you, this, something like this could sink them. Didn't yeah. end up sinking them. I yeah. mean, they're far, they're far from locked this division up. Of course, two and yeah. a half games, 
uh, they currently lead the the wild things at this point. So that's definitely um, not insurmountable by any stretch. But it, it was a, a big, big series against a very good uh, a very good Florence team um, and a sweep that they needed in the absolute worst way for sure. Yeah, definitely there. Which do you see what uh, the Valley Cats did in their hot dog race after Herman's spider tag incident? I did not know. Oh, the next day, because they have a running gag where Relish never wins the hot dog race. Uh-huh. And so Relish finally wins the race and whatnot. And then like five minutes later, they send out a tweet going, Relish's win has been redacted or re- they've undone this because he was found to be using spider tack during the race. <laughs> I was like, oh, see, they're having fun with this. That's awesome. Yeah, See, I wish I would have been watching the broadcast when they announced that, because you know they made an in-stadium announcement about this, just yeah. to stare at that minor dugout, particularly Bobby Jones, because oh. I feel like Bobby definitely hears that and gives a look. But that's yeah. funny. I, I like I'm sure, that. I'm sure Pete and Cavillia was probably doing like a happy dance. Oh yeah, because he was like, "See, I was right. I nailed it." Yeah. Well, Pete always Pete's comments on that were great too. He's like, "If the guy's gonna keep trying to cheat, I'm gonna keep trying to catch him." Yeah. Uh, that, that rivalry is really becoming a lot of fun, and both teams leading the division right now. That could be a very fun playoff series. That's all I'm gonna say. I, I, I hope I hope we get it. I, really I hope do. we get it. I really do. I, like that, I would have to keep going up the Skylines for that. But Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, back to the Miners in particular. They finally managed to get back to what they do well. They start hitting again. On base, jumped up to 368 as a team. They're batting nearly 300 as a team. I mean, Siriaco and Kaleo Johnson had just great weeks, each of them batting over 470. Uh, Kaleo had a home run. Both of them just drove in a lot of runs, 10 between the two of them. Chuck Taylor had a nice burst of power as well. Three home runs led the team this week in home runs. Actually, the only other guy besides uh, Kaleo Johnson with a home run. So he's doing very well. Uh, Really, the whole team is just doing really well. I mean, when Martin Figueroa, a guy that you normally can reliably count on to do well, is one of the guys that's kind of struggling, batting 238, then you know you're probably doing all right. Uh, all in all, there's really four or five guys that really stepped up this past week to get the job done. Pitching-wise, too, they got, uh, I'd say, one, maybe two really solid starts this week. Really, I'd only point to uh, Jalen Miller's start as like the really solid one, but the bullpen continued to do really well. Uh, a lot of them came out really strong here. It's just a matter for them of not letting the game get away real early on. Like I know for last night's games, that would be Thursday night that I'm talking about here when I was there. Uh, they gave up three runs in the top of the first, but they got two back. Then they gave up a run, but they wound up ultimately winning the game. The point is they kept it close and it was never really out of hand. And I, that's really their issue is just avoiding those big innings where they're not able to respond. And if they're able to just do that, then you're, they're fine. But uh, they are in a much better position this week than they are last week. And it really was a season-saving sweep. Uh, it's not, at this point in the year, an exaggeration to say that. They still do have a lot of work left to do. They have three games against New York starting tonight. They have three against New Jersey. And then the next time we're talking to you, uh, well, they could still have one against New Jersey. I'm not sure we're going to record this on Thursday or Friday next week. But... 
they do have Tri-City, Quebec, and Washington uh, for that next week, too. And then there's more games after that, obviously, because the season's not quite done yet. But they do have a bit of a tougher road, obviously, with Tri-City and Washington on the slate a lot. But they do have Quebec a good bit, and they do have uh, the Jackals for a, a little bit as well. So it's certainly not set in stone that this division's locked up yet. Washington's keeping it very close. They're playing 500 baseball. Uh, really, only the Jackals are out of it at this point, so I'm not willing to crown them division champions yet, but they've done a lot to help their cause. Absolutely. I mean, just a really, a really good week uh, for the Jackals, and you mentioned it, Nick. It's really come down to their offense. They've been so good offensively this year for, for most of the season, and then uh, on this bizarre like losing streak uh, that, that they went on, I mean, it was just their offense that really tanked, and uh, and their pitching was solid this week as well. Uh, but I think offensively, the fact that Syriaco started to hit, Johnson started to hit again, and of course, the the huge week from Chuck Taylor uh, really really helped this team. Uh, and you certainly don't want to crown them uh, division champs. Of course, two and a half game lead is something that can go in the go away. Uh, in a blink of an eye, as I certainly know as a Red Sox fan, watching a two-and-a-half game lead against the Yankees in the wildcard race completely disappear in three days. But it's there's certainly, there's certainly a lot of baseball left to be played, but when you look at their schedule, it is a pretty manageable schedule. Um, uh, certainly, New Jersey will always play them tough. It's a rivalry series. Although, as we mentioned, maybe Sussex has a new rival for this year. Possibly. Probably, uh, possibly so. Uh, but it, it, it's certainly a manageable schedule. I you cert- you have to think they're the favorites uh, down the stretch. Not that they ever really were out of that position. Certainly concerning. Uh, but I, I think I expected them to rebound uh, this week. They they've really started that process. Uh, maybe maybe that blip kind of helps them down the stretch uh, because it really kind of is more of like that serves as that wake up call. They're kind of on cruise control the whole year, and now they're not. And then they've really had to play hard to win the division, get in the postseason, uh, and play a, a Tri City team who's playing really good baseball of late as well uh, in, in the postseason. But uh, certainly don't want to crown them champs yet for sure. But they're looking good. They're, they're looking very good with a pretty, uh, with a manageable road ahead. Uh, I think you, I don't want to. I don't want to go ahead and make an emphatic statement like Sussex County is back, but they're getting there. They're getting there. Yeah, they're certainly looking a lot better. And one thing I discovered last night that I didn't know: Media Villa uses Edwin Diaz's music when he comes into the game. Oh, he is that. That is awesome. Yeah, because like they started playing the trumpets, I'm like. I remember this song, and then when he came, I was like, oh, wait, Edwin Diaz. I was like, that yeah. makes sense. He's their closer. He has a great entrance, yeah. yeah. The horns really do sell. They're real good horns. But. Oh, they're awesome. That, it, he is one of my favorite. Uh, he, he's definitely probably my favorite entrance, actually. So Yeah. That's, so, uh, it's it's, cool it's very hear, cool. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, I'm going to just quickly talk about Tri-City because they need to be talked about again. And then we're going to jump really into the West Division because that race is getting really interesting. Yeah, we talk about Tri-City every week, don't we? We do, but they're interesting. They're very interesting. Because they'll go from like 
not being in contention at all, just being terrible, to them being really good, to them being in a dogfight, to them being like the clear-cut winner of their division, which, I mean, this week they hit over 320 as a team, and as a team, they had an area of four. So, I mean, like, they're a, they're a solid team. And really, if you remove, like, the Parker Kelly start, uh, Candelario is one inning of work, which you gave one run at one inning, so the area's going to look a lot worse than it really is. And, like, the three innings from uh, Doobie start, their ERA as a team goes down pretty major. Actually, if you just want to remove Logan Doobie start, their ERA would be, like, probably about 3-8. But, regardless... Jake Dexter, solid work out of the bullpen. Cruiser, solid work out of the bullpen. McKay, again, solid. All these guys have zero ERAs, by the way. Law Firm, do I even need to say it? We know he's good. Three no, you innings. don't have to say it. Yeah, he's it, just a beast. He cannot be stopped. Simple as that. It's amazing he's still an indie ball, to be honest. But, hey, he is. So, we'll enjoy him while he's here. But then, you get a solid start out of Cruz. Seven innings, one earned. Uh, Jimenez, good out of the bullpen. Murphy, good out of the bullpen. Bell, solid start. Uh, three runs in uh, about six innings. Valdez, okay, now screws three runs in five innings. But either way, they're pitching perfectly fine. Their bullpen's doing the job. So I'd be more concerned about three runs from five innings of work if your team hadn't hit six home runs and was slashing 320, 385, 488 on the week. So... Yeah, this team's good. No one's really slumping in the lineup, and everyone's playing their role. They're probably going to win the division because Quebec is just too far back at this point to be able to make up the necessary ground in my mind. And as I've said all year long, the New York Rockland Boulders are a slightly below 500 team. They're a 488 team, and that's what they are. So, eh. Yeah, I I think... I think they're definitely going to win this division. Well, I shouldn't say the talent has always been there because they had that massive. Like, I'd love to. I'd love to go back at some point and just see, like, from that week where they just made a ton of like roster moves, like what their record was after. Uh, but I mean, you look at this lineup. When you hit three twenty as a team for the week, you're going to win a lot of games, uh, and especially when you have three guys, or excuse me, two guys in your lineup hitting above 400, uh, Molina four for eight, but I guess that's not really enough at-bats to say you hit 500 for the week. Juan Silverio and Dennis Phipps, uh, they're hitting like we know that they can as well. Willie Garcia's, I mean, Willie Garcia's really turned turned around um, his season in a big way uh, w- with Tri-City after struggling out of the gate. I mean, he's been, he has been a real asset to this lineup. And although they did lose Oscar, Oscar Campos to the Mets, uh, I, I think the lineup overall has the depth to be able to overcome, to be able to overcome a loss like that. I, I think it's just a really strong team that's getting better and better at the right time. Um, and they're, they're definitely going to win their division. You just really hope for that showdown with Sussex County. Cause uh, if, if we can get it, 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 that series is going to be, uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, and I really want that series to go five games. And as to your, your question earlier, as to how they've been since the roster overhaul, assuming that happened when they were 12 games under 500, uh, since then, they're roughly 35 and 18. 
Wowza. Yeah. They've been very, very, very good since that four and sixteen start. That's that's a, that, that's unreal. Yeah. 30, 35 and eighteen. Wow. Yeah. When you put it in that kind of context, it's like, oh, okay, so that's the team I have to think of this as, not the four and sixteen team. Which is kind of deceiving because you look at the record and you're like, oh, well, the record has some only five games above 500, but that's not the same team. And it's, it's really crazy to not be even honest. Close. Yeah. Not it's, even close to the same team. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a really, really good team now. That, that And listen, in a playoff series against Sussex, they certainly have a chance. And I, I think you could certainly say that they're title contenders. They're going to be in it until the end. Oh yeah, like that. This there's gonna be three really solid teams in this playoff series, and then Schaumburg. That's not a slouch either, but they're they're not on the same level as these other teams. I gotta be honest. Probably least, not. But we're gonna talk about some of those other teams real quickly in the West Division. Gateway's not one of them. They're they've been long since out of this race. But Evansville, they've lost three in a row. Florence lost four in a row. Southern Illinois, they just finished sweeping the Evansville Otters. They're now three and a half games back of them for first place. And a team that we were like, they're going to wind up losing their division, but they'd wind up winning any other division, which currently speaking, they'd be winning the two other divisions. And in the minor division, they'd be about a game back of the minors. So pretty much winning every other division for them. Well, they're three and a half back, like I said, and they're really kind of closing in those Southern Illinois miners. So let's start with a positive note and talk about them. Uh, that 41 and 34, seven and three in the last 10, three game winning streak, including three straight shutouts of the Evansville Otters. So pretty dominating wins. Three, I mean, three straight shutouts uh, speaks for itself. I mean, if you wanted to go really into the numbers here, this week, as a team, as a team this week, they allowed four earned runs. Four. In 53 innings, they allowed four runs. Uh, they, well, eight runs in total, four earned. I mean, and, and that is, in case you're wondering, an ERA of 0. 0.68. Uh and we we've known the entire year that this Southern Illinois team is going to be able to pitch. Uh, it's just a matter of you know can their offense at least perform to a league average to slightly above average level and really catapult them into the playoff race. I mean, and, and their their offense wasn't even really that great this week. But yeah. it was pretty bad was, actually. Yeah, uh, but the pitching was just absolutely dominant. I mean, absolutely dominant. They give up four runs over an entire week. Yeah, I, I mean, that's and, and two that's of the incredible. earned runs came from uh, from a starter that pitched fifteen innings. Yeah, like I, I mean, you could go down the list, but at the end of the day, they gave up four earned runs as a team this week. And yeah. oh, God, I really want to see this team in the playoffs. It's just how it's set up and. Yeah. I understand all that, and it's disappointing. It's just, yeah, but, it's so disappointing that this team is not, could possibly miss the postseason because they don't deserve to, and they're just such a fascinating and entertaining team to watch. I want yeah. 
that minor, minor fight so badly. If for no other reason, so that way I could watch this team play. Because I want to see this team pitch. I really genuinely do. Because they're just so dominant. Every starter is so good. And their bullpen, obviously. Their bullpen, I don't think, surrendered an earned run this week. There's only the worst ERA on the team this week was three. So that explains it. Uh, And just just a really, really good team. And I mean, offensive. You, I mean, of course, they're not going to continue to pitch like to this level. Uh, but it really couldn't have come. I mean, it was their biggest series of the year this weekend, undoubt, or I shouldn't just not this weekend, this week. Uh, excuse me. They've uh, they had they had to perform well. They needed this series to get back into the race, and they're back in it. Uh, three and a half, still a lot of work to do, but but still somewhat manageable. Uh, with Evansville and Florence, both. And speaking of which, I, I mean, to to sum up the rest of the West Division race, how lucky is uh, is real? I guess you could say both Evansville and Florence that at, at the same time they got swept. The team, the team that they're competing with for the division title, got also got swept. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that it, is quite fortunate. Yeah, it's the luckiest situation for all three. Because Lawrence really could have taken advantage of this. They had really everything going their way. They had a slumping team that's kind of on their heels, that wasn't really hitting, and they were never really a great pitching team to begin with. And they could have come in, I don't want to say end of the minor season, but certainly put it from the ICU to life support. And in that process, would have just skated right through, taken a division lead, and probably could have held on to that for quite some time if not the rest of the year but they get swept Evansville's like well we'd rather not get swept by a team that's now only going to be three and a half back of us but we're still in first place by a game and we kind of get lucky here and Southern Illinois thinking if there was ever a time to get a sweep a sweep of one of the two teams that's in front of you is probably the way to go on it so it works out great for them. And you want to look at the minor schedule, Southern Illinois, that is. They have three against Schaumburg this week, which I feel like they should be able to win that. Then you have three against Lake Erie. Then you have, starting next week, it really is an important week for them next week. This upcoming week, like the week after next, I should say. This upcoming week's important, don't get me wrong. you got to win games, especially against teams that you should be beating. They're not the easiest teams, but they're far from the toughest you're going to play. The week after is where it becomes important because you have three in Florence and then you have three at home against Evansville. Those are six games where if you could take, say, four out of the six of them, all of a sudden you're right in the middle of it because you have gateway for six of your last nine and another three against Florence. So you, they really, really, really have a good opportunity here to... I don't want to say steal this division, but certainly make a lot of headway in this division. I mean, that stretches the season right there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the season. So, I mean, Southern Illinois is pretty well positioned to make a move. And can you imagine after all the, after all this Evansville Florence talk this year, that Southern Illinois is the one that comes out on top with one team, only one team in that division making the playoffs i mean it's just shaping up for a wild wild finish in the west it, it would and also we all like everyone that was on the show that said 
oh yeah, it's going to be a minor versus minor final. It's right now really, really hoping that Southern Illinois pulls this out. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Like, come on, Pinto and company. Stop me from looking like a schmucky oon. Come on. You can exactly. do it. We all picked the minors to win the division to begin with at the beginning exactly. of the season. Yeah, because we're like, oh, this is this division isn't that good. It's pretty mediocre. Any of them could really do it. Yeah. And in a way, we were right. Anyone could win this division except Gateway. It's just yeah. they're quite not mediocre. They're not quite mediocre. exceptional. But on that note, you have Florence, which picked the worst time to have a 500 stretch and a really terrible time to lose, like, you know, three in a row. Hitting-wise, I mean, like, they're not doing awful. I mean, they're batting 250 as a team, which, all things considered, you know, not terrible. But... Like, pitching-wise, an ERA of five just ain't going to get the job done. Yeah, that, that's what really hurt them this week in their series against against Sussex. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, listen, their offense, their offense, they didn't hit for a ton of power, a lot of singles, uh, I guess, this week. So it was a pretty pedestrian uh, week for them. But, yeah, the pitching, pitching had a pretty rough week. I mean, opponents hit 305. Uh, against them this week so definitely definitely not a great week uh, for the pitching staff but you know then again they picked the right well I shouldn't say they picked the right time uh, to struggle but they uh, they kind of got bailed out by the fact that Evansville was all that also struggled to keep this an insane race exactly yeah like they if they were going to get swept by a team a team that's you play one series against the whole year and has no real major impact on your own standings. It's a good team to get swept against, if there's even such a thing. Yeah. But also, like you said, the timing is pretty fortunate. Now, granted, I'm sure they don't love the fact that Southern Illinois just gained three games on them. But, again, all things considered, it could have been a lot worse for them. Plus, they also have the luxury of having their next six games be against the uh, three or the two worst teams in the league. They then have they have Southern Illinois after that, which is incredibly important for them. Then they have Windy City, but then they have four against Joliet, three more against Southern Illinois, and then to finish the year, three against Schaumburg. So they do have uh, some very easy games here. So perhaps that gives them an advantage. Uh, when you have, what, uh, seven games left against Joliet, three against New Jersey, and then really it's Windy City that's, you know, they're better as of late, but not a major threat, really. And you got, what, nine competitive games left, the three against, or, yeah, the three against Schaumburg and the six against Southern Illinois, so. So definitely, definitely a manageable schedule. Uh, for them, so it's good. It's, it's going to be really fun. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a really fun next couple of weeks. Oh, it absolutely is. And then last team to talk about in the Frontier League before we move on here, just because we talked about every other West team uh, of note, uh, it wouldn't be fair to not talk about the Otters real quick. Again, three game losing streak, three and seven in their last ten is not a great sign. Uh, getting shut out three straight games in a row, progressively worse shutouts too. They start. Only getting shut out two nothing, then it's three nothing, and then it's four nothing. So not exactly great on their end. Uh, they do have a series against Gateway starting tonight, so that's certainly a plus for them. 
to honestly forgetting shut out three straight games in a row, still two ten as a team. So I mean, like not as bad as I would have expected. Three eighty eight as a pitching staff. So I mean that's certainly not terrible either. Uh, they would have liked to get some better starts. So Riley finally has you know not the best uh, two start stretch in the world, but could have been worse. Uh, honestly, I'm not that concerned about the Otters. I want to chalk up most of their struggles to playing good teams. I feel like that's a fair point to make. But at the same time, at this point in the year, you need to be able to beat good teams if you're a good team. You can't just not do that. I mean, you take two or three from Lake Erie. Then you dropped, of the last six you played against Southern Illinois, you've dropped all but one of them. So not exactly great. They do have Gateway, like I said, then they kept Windy City and then Gateway again. So that's a nice little nine-game stretch for them. They really only have Southern Illinois and Schaumburg. So those seven games left that are against really competitive teams. Three against Joliet and three against Lake Erie to end the season here. So the Miners certainly have the most uphill battle in this division. But... If they're able to get through that stretch, I really think they're going to win this division because they're playing the best baseball out of any team, I'd say in the league, but certainly in this division at the moment. Right. And I I, I think I'd agree with you that um, in the sense that I'm not too concerned about, about Evansville because the pitching was still very good this week. Um, and I'm almost more inclined to just tip your cap to Southern Illinois. We know how they can pitch. Of course, getting shut out in three straight games. Uh, it certainly, some of the blame's got to fall on your offense uh, for that. But I, I think that the, their pitching still had a very good week. I, they're still a great team overall. Um, I just think that even though they're not really playing good baseball of late, I could see them getting it back on track. Uh, but it's a really tight race, and you would think at this point, probably not a lot of margin for error, especially with a surging Southern Illinois, but in three teams down the stretch, it's going to be fun. Oh, absolutely. So it's going to be an interesting race to watch, and we're going to be updating this one each week because that is a real, real dogfight there. Uh, we kind of have two divisions locked up. This one is one of the ones that is still wide open. On that note, we'll go to the American Association, which has a wide open division and one that's not as wide open. So we know in the American Association North, Milwaukee and Chicago are pretty much locked. They're fighting to see who's going to get the buy at this point. They're even on every front right now. So we're going to get back to them in a week from now and see if we get any clarity on that front. Chicago's been playing better than Milwaukee as of late, but that's still anyone's guess. That's a coin flip right there. In the South, it's kind of a dogfight for that like home field advantage in the playing game, and then who's going to be playing in it. I mean, it's, it's very close there, but we keep talking about that every week, so let's give that a week to breathe as well. The thing I want to talk about this week here is back in that North Division. Fargo-Moorhead and Winnipeg. I want to write Winnipeg off. I really do. But they're like, what, five games back? Four and a half back of that last playoff spot? That fancy little playing game spot? I think they may be able to do it. It's, I don't know. I, I just, Winnipeg's playing really good baseball. But it's not like Fargo-Moorhead 
is playing bad at the moment either. So, I mean, four and a half, you're right, it's not completely out of reach. But at the same time, it's a it's a quite a bit of ground uh, to make up. And it's not like Fargo-Moorhead's slumping right now. If Fargo-Moorhead was slumping, I would say you're right. But at the end of the day, Fargo-Moorhead's still six and four in their last ten. Uh, of course, and Winnipeg is red hot at the moment as well. But I wouldn't write them off, but... I would I would say it's probably pretty unlikely just because again Fargo Moorhead still still playing well at the moment and on a two game winning streak of their own. I don't disagree with any of that, but I will say they have four against King County. This is Winnipeg. Then they have four against Milwaukee. So admittedly, that's a bit tougher. Then they have three against Gary. Then they come back home for the rest of the year on the 31st, so 31 through 6. They play at home the whole time. That's three against Chicago and then four against Fargo-Moorhead to end the year. If they can just keep it within three and a half going into that last stretch, they certainly are well and alive. Now, not as close as you'd like to be, obviously, but you still have a lot left in your favor to be, you know, well getting that last playoff spot. When you look on the flip side here, yeah, Fargo-Moorhead, they have the luxury of still having one series against Houston and a series against Gary, but they have three against Chicago as well, and they have three against Sioux City. So those are not easy games there. And that Winnipeg series, which is going to be a dogfight if Winnipeg's still in it. I do agree. I don't think, especially after, you know, the Red Hawks dropped 20 runs on Kane County two nights ago, uh, that they're in any sort of position where it's dangerous for them to miss the postseason. But I do think if they hit a little bit of a skid, Winnipeg can take advantage of that. Plus, I wouldn't be surprised to see, again, if it's still close in that last stretch, it comes down to see who Fargo-Moorhead is allowed to bring into Canada and who they're not allowed to bring into Canada. I think that could very well be a uh, a major turning point. Also, I just want to point out, Brett Halton, the pitcher, one at bat this year, one hit, and it's a two-run home run. Pitchers that rake, screw the DH, it should be banned. That's my, I said my piece. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if that's what comes down to a playoff spot between Fargo-Moorhead and Winnipeg is who is Fargo-Moorhead allowed to bring into the country? Oh uh, because God. because of vaccination status, I mean that would be that would be the most. I, I would say that's the most 2020 thing I've ever heard, but because I, I guess this, the season's somewhat of a carryover, yeah, uh, uh, of 2020. So that would be that'd be that would be something. Uh, I just I I just think Fargo Moorhead is the better team, and and they're still playing well at the moment. I think I, I understand Winnipeg has a has a little bit more of a manageable schedule, be a bit easier of a schedule down the stretch. But uh, yeah, I think Fargo Moorhead, they're, they're really talented. They're just too talented. I think they're the better team. I think four and a half games is a lot to ask. Uh, even if they were to get it into that last stretch of the regular season, I, I would still bet that the Red Hawks stay on top the way they've in that race, the way they have been the, the entire season to this point. And I've always been a big Winnipeg believer. I just, I just can't see it. I think there's too much ground to make up too little time. Hell, that's half the reason why I'm thinking they could pull it off. 
to be honest with you, because every time you make a prediction when it comes to Winnipeg, that's true. They seem to just do the opposite. So crown them as champs, then. All right. Probably. I mean, like, I'm like I'm looking through this Fargo Moorhead roster, and the guys that are jumping out to me that would be very bad if you couldn't bring into the country would be Corel Prime, Pena, uh, Jordan George. Those three would be major. One of, or either really, of Kelly or Krause. Yeah, those would all be very big names on the bat side if you couldn't bring them in. Pitching-wise, uh, they were rated for the most part of the year. But guys that would be very bad if you couldn't bring in, Tom Shaw. Uh, Tom Shaw would be very bad if you couldn't bring him in. Dubard would not be good. Ludwig would be not good. Uh, Flores would be very not good because he's had a very strong month. Uh, outside of that, everyone else is kind of interchangeable. I guess Hope and Jones are kind of, you know, you'd like to be able to take them in. But, yeah, like, there's guys here where if you don't bring them in, there'll be a problem. But it is interesting, and I do want to use Kyle Martin as a segue here because when we did our mid-season preview, for the American Association, we pretty much said, oh, well, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Adam uh, Brett Walker is going to be the league MVP. That is something I'm a lot less sure of today because I think Kyle Martin may have just stolen it. Here's why. He's ahead in home runs, he's ahead in RBIs, and neither of them are on that uh, batting average list. And Kyle Martin's also... Three run, three home runs away from, I believe, setting or tying the uh, all-time AA single-season record for home runs in a season. So I'm not willing to say that he's not going to win. The, and he's batting 287, so it's not like it's terrible either, batting average-wise. So I, I'm just thinking this MVP race may have become a little bit more open. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. A, I mean, Kyle Martin has certainly come on as of late, so. Numbers-wise, it's really close, but I think you could see it. I, I think you could see it. I mean, Martin has had uh, an unbelievable year uh, with with Winnipeg. So, yeah, I mean, so still plenty of games left to go, of course. But yeah, I, I could see it. I, I really, I really, I really could see him getting the nod over Adam Brett Walker at this point in the season with his with his recent hot stretch. Yeah, because right now the 28 home runs he's sitting at as we record this has him in sole possession of fifth for home runs in a single season. He needs 31 to tie Keon Barnum, 32 to set the record. RBI-wise, at he's sitting at, what, 91 right now? Yeah, 91 right now as we record that. It puts him just off the leaderboard. He's two behind Chase Simpson's 2019 season that had 93. He needs 103 to set the single season record. He already set the gold eye single season record. It's going to be a bit tight on that to get the batting, the RBIs. It'll yeah. be, be close. He needs, what, 12 more to tie, 13 more to set? I mean, it's yeah. he needs... Really, four home runs and 12 RBIs to set both records with about 20 or so games left. That's possible. It, it's doable, yeah. You know, I mean, a home the home runs are easy. One every five games, easy enough, especially with the way he's swinging right now. And a home run's easy. Yeah, so the, the RBIs become more of the issue because that's more like 
you need one every other game plus a couple others. So I'm not willing to say that's set in stone yet, but it's still interesting. Which, just as a side note, checking the batting average record, Blake Gallion in 2011 hit 406 for the season. <laughs> How do you hit 406 for a season? What a beast. That's, that's incredible. I don't know how. That, that's that's incredible. Which, even like, honestly, like, I thought this season was kind of crazy because Kate Gata has a 360 batting average. So I was like, oh, that's definitely got to make the top five. That doesn't make the top six. 377, you need to make the top six for batting average. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, it's so impressive. So impressive. Yeah. Which, just quickly, before we go to the Atlantic League and then wrap everything up after that. Any other candidates you got for uh, MVP here? Outside of Kyle Martin and Adam Brett Walker. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to see. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you can throw anyone else in the conversation, honestly. I think it's, I think it's those two far and like far and away ahead, ahead of everybody in my eyes. Yeah. The only other guy that kind of came to my mind was Ramon Hernandez. But if you're going to give it to Ramon Hernandez and Kyle Martin's going to win it, it's kind of the way I look yeah. at it. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Cause I think the only thing that Hernandez really has on him is batting average. Like Hernandez has batting average on Martin, but not on Walker. And yeah, it's just, a, it's a hard sell there, but he's had a good season as well. Which really, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Which, when, you look at, when you look at the home run leaders, most of them are batting 270 or up. The only like kind of like pure home runner out guy is Casey Hobson because he's batting under 260 with 19 right. home runs. Yeah. So interesting there. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll go to the Atlantic League here. Again, it's still early in the second half here, so it's hard to really say anything here. But Southern Maryland's won five in a row. High points won seven in a row. And the Legends have lost six in a row. I think we're both in agreement the Legends six-game losing streak cannot mean any less because they're already in the postseason, so who cares? It'll yeah. only matter if they're that bad going into the postseason. As far as High Point and Southern Maryland, though, they have managed to keep their season alive, although Southern Maryland is still in second place. It's early still, but they're looking like much better teams, teams we kind of expected them to be uh, as of recent. Because both of these teams that, that you just referenced, High Point, and uh, and Southern Maryland both got off to slow starts in the like, of course early like early in the second half they got off to rough starts to begin and now they're now they're performing very very well um, and I think uh, honestly when you look at how the at least high point to begin with and, and high point just coming off uh, beating Lexington uh, beating Lexington at home and uh, th- that was a really impressive. A really impressive week for them. Uh, I mean, in their lineup, they're hitting really well right now. Uh, coming off a big ten to seven win, uh, and Johnny Field and Johnny Field uh, in center field. Some he somehow makes a highlight play every single night. He seriously does. Yeah. Uh, like every every night you check social media, every time you watch him play, he's making he's making some awesome uh, game changing play and. Um, and that's and that's certainly helping this team. It's helping their pitching staff. Pitching is is subjective in this league with the mound move back and all that stuff. But I mean, Craig Stem has pitched a lot better of late. The numbers overall for this season still don't look great. Uh, but 
they're, they're, he's started to pitch better. The high point starting pitching or has, has started to get better, but their lineup has been the big thing that has really uh, improved in the second half. Uh, Jerry Downs, well, Jerry Downs has hit the whole year, but yeah. uh, but but the high point rockers, that's the big thing as a whole. Their lineup, which I guess it had been pretty disappointing uh, in the first half, they're, they're, it's a big reason that uh, they they're on this big time hot streak to start the second half. Of course, they're they're nine and five. They've won. I mean, they've won seven in a row. Uh, but they're still, of course, tied with Gastonia uh, at the top of at the top of the South Division with with Lexington in last place. But again, with Lexington winning the first half, you see this all that you see this almost every year in the Atlantic League. Uh, with a with a team who won the first half, they're already hosting the playoff series. Not a ton to play for, uh, and they kind of just—I don't want to say mail it in because no one's mailing it in when they're trying to get back to affiliated ball. But uh, as a team, like wins and losses doesn't really become a huge uh, a huge thing. Uh, but I mean, High Point—we've known they're a talented team, and they're finally as a lineup they're starting to to hit like we thought they could, uh, and it's going to be. A, it's going to be a really exciting race. And I think that I would probably put that peg them as the favorite to win the South division uh, second half crown to get into a playoff series against Lexington. Are you discrediting the breakfast club of Gastonia to win this South division? No, I, I think that I think that they're certainly in it. I just, they did this last, they did this in the first half as well. So I, I just want to see if their pitching can hold up over, uh, an entire second half. That's kind of how I look at them. Yeah, I I agree with that. They're they're not really the uh, the best pitching team. I mean, they've also had some interesting uh, moves when it comes to players. Like I know last night in our indie ball after dark on Twitter, which basically was everyone that's part of the indie ball community was doing prep work because they were too lazy to do it earlier or was unable to do it earlier. So after midnight, everybody's doing the prep. Uh, there was a whole investigation to one of their players trying to figure out what, when did they wind up and actually go to play in Venezuela and what happened with that. So that was interesting on that front. Uh, Before talking about Southern Maryland though, I do want to make sure we get to this. Because I think we may have missed it last week, which is the Barnstormer Team ERA check. Oh, they're getting better. Yeah, 733. They're They're pitching a lot better. They're only about one whole point behind Gastonia now. So they're almost there. Slowly but surely, they're going to get better. Plus, They're first first place in the North Division for a reason. Yeah, I'm sure that'll last, though. I'm sure it'll last. It can't we'll possibly not last. Let's talk about the second place team in the North, though, in uh, Southern Maryland. How about them? What's their deal? So Southern Maryland, similar to High Point, they started off slow. Actually, both Southern Maryland and High Point started the second half two and five. Uh, but Southern Maryland, they've won five in a row. Um, they, although, to be fair, the Blue Crabs did just uh, did just beat the York Revolution. They're, they kind of just beat their brains out this week. Uh, and because York has really, really been struggling in the second half, they've started three and nine. They've lost four in a row. Uh, but as far as Southern Maryland, their pitching has been their strong suit the entire season. Daryl Thompson has been the league's 
best pitcher, honestly, by far. And the back end of their bullpen has been has been very, very good as well. That set that really that seven, eight, nine combo of Dalton Geeky, Andres Brasino, Matt Latos has been pretty lethal. Uh, it, it has been really, really good uh, when when the rest of the league uh, really hasn't um, in, in a league where pitching is coming a premium. Southern Maryland has it. Uh, they did a really good job uh, building this roster, and now they're actually starting to hit. Ruby Silva, since coming back, since making his return to the Blue Crabs, has been awesome. Uh, he's he has been he has hit really really well. Uh, uh, Zach Collier certainly as well on a hot streak of his own, uh, and even a guy even a guy like Crosby uh, over at first base, and Josh McAdams is hitting for a lot of power. Um, they as, as a whole, their lineup is definitely performing a lot better in the second half than they did in the first half. Um, and, but their pitching is, they, it's been what's carried them the whole year. Um, and it's probably what's going to continue to be. I think Southern Maryland, if not, if Long Island were to not pick it up cause kind of mailing it in cause they've already won the first half title. I would say Southern Maryland. I've, I've always thought that they were the second best team in this division. I think they're probably still that. But okay. I mean, their pit, their their pitching is, is really good, and uh, it's 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 carried this team to to a lot of its success, uh, especially the back end of that bullpen, which uh, has been really really impressive to date. Yeah, the this is a team that I I'm gonna agree with you all on that. To be quite honest, the Atlantic League's probably been the league I've paid the least attention to this past year, so I can't uh, dispute too much of that. <laughs> Um, there's just so many other teams that I got to they got to follow, and I I from just being honest, they're really kind of hard to follow because everybody else it's easy to find their streaming or their audio or whatever. For like a good chunk of the year, there were several teams that just didn't stream, and Lexington's is behind a paywall. Although I know their stream is pretty high quality, so I understand why they're charging for it. Yeah, but. Even still, and Gastonia, Gastonia started their live stream not too long ago. Yeah, and even like West Virginia was kind of hard to find for a little bit. Yeah. So, so I, I think I think that's the I think that's the thing that's hard. Like when fans can't watch streams, it hurts. Yeah, it just makes it very difficult to follow. So, like well, if you don't want to do your own streaming service, I'm all right with that. Yeah. But you gotta like, make it easy for me to hard. find, like. Just yeah. tweet out the link to it. Makes it really yeah. easy there. But agreed. Uh, in any case, so I think that's about all we got for this week. Uh, I think we covered pretty much everything here. We'll be back again next week. So we're gonna go to plugs before we get through everything else here. But be interesting to see. We're gonna get a lot of races clearing up in uh, across all the leagues over the next week and a half, two weeks. So really gonna be fun as we go into September. Which we're nearly there. It's kind of weird to think about that. Almost but, there. Yeah. So with that said, uh, we're going to the plugs. If you want to find the show, you could do so just by anywhere you find podcasts. Tune in, Stitcher, Podomatic, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you find them. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe uh, to the show to help uh, the show grow. If you want to follow on social media, you could do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod, on Instagram at ALPB underscore news, and at IndieBallReport. You can also go to the website where there's articles, the show notes for every show, which includes the resources we used for the show, as well as 
all the episodes there as well. Everything's pretty much in one spot there, so uh, be sure to check out the website, IndieBallReport.com. And uh, I think that's just about it. So uh, if we have anything else left to add? I know you have, you've been telling me you you have a lot of really good stuff to add this week, so I'll keep it short. Right. Red Sox, Red Sox, please figure it the hell out. That's all I'm going to say. Or else I'm going to be quite miserable if they blow this and can't make the playoffs. So that's, that, that's all I'll say about that. But Nick, the floor is yours for your apparently, I, I, I'm not sure what you're going to talk about, but uh, apparently epic, uh, epic rant of whatever is coming. So I, this will be a surprise to me too. I don't know what this is about. I got three things here. One of them is a really good rant. Two of them are just kind of there. Uh, I'll start with the first one for the week, which is why I was expecting to talk about uh, Little League World Series. Come on, New Jersey. You already dropped one game to like Nebraska, which I didn't realize that they were able to get here. I thought they were afraid of planes or elevation. So like, I kind of expect you to beat Nebraska. Let's get that going. You're playing Connecticut now. For the love of God, don't lose to Connecticut. Uh, we all know that the shittiest state in the tri-state, so please do not lose to the worst of the three tri-state uh, states. Uh, that said, this is one that just got added to the docket because I woke up and I saw this. And I was like, it makes sense. It's still kind of sad, and I just hope we sign him to a one-day contract before this happens. Henrik Lundqvist retired. Probably the be- definitely the best Swedish goaltender of all time. Probably a top three European goaltender of all time. By far the best Ranger goaltender of all time. Uh, it's just kind of bittersweet to see him retire. It, I wish he would have went off not with a heart concern and would have instead went off, you know, having won a cup. The fact he never won a cup. The fact he only has one Vesna is honestly quite amazing to me. For a guy that's top five all time and wins in the NHL, it's just... It's disappointing that that's the way he has to go off, but it's it is what's necessary. He was never going to be able to play again with the heart condition he had, so that's unfortunate. Now, getting to the rant that I had and still do have on tap here, which is kind of why I ran through the other two. Middle of the week, it came out, I want to say on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday it was announced that there's going to be ads on NHL jerseys. I've mentioned this in the past on this show. How much I despise advertising on jerseys, particularly on NHL jerseys. I really despise this. There's no reason why you need a three by three and a half inch ad on a jersey. You already advertise on the ice, on the boards, on the helmets, which I hated with the passion. I said that this shit was coming when you put the ads on the helmets. There is no reason for this outside of greed, really. If you're a billionaire and you own a team, the couple million you're going to get from slapping an ad on a jersey is not going to make a really a rat's ass a difference in the end. You're going to ruin historic jerseys like the Canadians jersey, like the Leafs jersey. Even like Detroit is just not going to look the same when you have a giant like Air Canada logo on there. It's going to look so shitty and so terrible having that ad because you know it's going on the front of the jersey so to have like a captain's letter and on the other side have an ad for like i I don't know like samsung or something is awful 
And the only thing I'm going to continue to say about it, because we do have to get out of here, I don't want to run too long here, because I think I've made it very clear that I'm pretty furious about this, because I despise putting ads on jerseys with a burning passion, as I've said multiple times, is that I do not, when this starts in the 2022-2023 season, I do not really plan on spending any money on any team that wants to put an ad on their jersey. And in fact, I'm going to go out of my way to not spend money on any team that or any company that wants to put an ad on a jersey. So great, you get more exposure, but I'm, I'm not paying you money uh, for your product when you want to put it on a jersey. And I feel like that's a fairly similar community or fairly similar opinion on the hardline uh, community on this. So, yeah, I'm pretty furious about ads. I knew that was coming. I fi- I figured I'm like, oh, I was thinking before the show yeah. and for some reason didn't think about it. I, I was like, I think I know what he's going to talk about. And it, sure enough, from a historical perspective, I mean, the, the Rangers are certainly more of a historical uh, franchise than the, than the Devils. So, I mean, at least from my perspective, I don't care as much, although I do understand the perspective of like an original six team. They're kind of screwing with the jerseys. That's kind of a no-no. Yeah. Uh, like so already, I, I it's, it's, that. it's already essentially the Rangers presented by Chase. That's fine. You needed a billion dollars to redo the whole arena. Fine. Chase financed the whole thing. Fine. If you want to have the presented by Chase attached to everything, fine. It is what it is. But then to slap the thing on the jersey, it's wrong. And people keep going, well, look at soccer. They do. And I go, yeah, they also don't have ads during their broadcasts. It's not like we're getting rid of advertising somewhere else. We're just adding more on. And I hate to be the one that does this shit, but if they're going to put one ad on the jersey, how long until it turns into Europe where there's ads all over the jerseys and on the equipment, like the goaltender equipment, there's ads on goalie pads in Europe. That's coming eventually. Like this is just—it's—it's gonna come eventually. It started with the helmet ads, and now there's no stopping this. The Pandora's box has been opened. It does raise the salary cap, though. I guess which isn't barely like what a million. That's gonna do a whole lot of good. (laughs) Like great, we can afford one more league minimum contract now. Yeah, I mean, I—I do understand. I—I understand that, Uh, and really just hope it's that one ad. Honestly, I I get it. In five years, it's going to be three ads, and then it's just going to keep exploding from there. I guarantee that shit. But, all right, that's all we got this week. You know the drill. Until next week, don't forget to play ball and keep the ads off of your jerseys. <laughs>